At Her Spirit, we're here for you. We want to help you discover your potential, achieve your goals, ignite your fitness, find your community. Head to herspirit.co.uk and sign up for our core membership. Get access to our virtual classes, monthly challenges, expert advice and track your progress in our health hub. You'll also find your very own cheerleading squad who will support you every step of the way. Use the code HERSPIRITPOD3 and get three months completely free. It's time for you. Hello, you are listening to the Her Spirit podcast and our mission is to inspire women everywhere to live a healthier, happier life. And a really warm welcome to the first Her Spirit podcast with me, Louise Minchin, and my friend and top-class triathlete, Annie Emerson. During the next few weeks and months, we are here to try and help you keep happy and healthy in what are really difficult times for everyone. As things are moving so fast and advice is changing, we will let you know when each podcast is recorded so you can bear that in mind as you listen. This one with the awesome Dr Zoe Williams was recorded before the Prime Minister's new rules about staying at home. I hope you enjoy it. She is brilliant. Hello, everybody, and a very warm welcome to the Her Spirit podcast, which obviously, given the circumstances we are all in, we are recording from our respective homes. Um, I'm Louise Minchin. You probably know me from BBC Breakfast. Also alongside me, my friend and co-presenter, Annie Emerson. Hi, Annie. How are you doing? I'm doing well, I guess, under the circumstances like we all are at the moment. Um, and we have got a very special guest on the programme today, on the podcast. It's Dr Zoe Williams, um, who I also count as a friend and epic person. Zoe, um, you were on this challenge that I did for Sport Relief um, in Namibia. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that possibly later, but you've not been well. Are you OK? Yeah, I'm on the mend, hopefully. So I'm on day seven of self-isolation, put myself into self, self-isolation because I've been unwell and on the mend, but still not better, which is very, very unusual for me and a uh, little bit concerning, but um, still, as long as I'm continuing to improve, then I'm happy. And on the podcast, we're obviously, we're talking about exercise. We're talking how brilliant it is for um, your mental health, your physical health as well. But I mean, we can't not talk about the thing that's happening to everybody and particularly you at the moment. Um, Do you think you've got coronavirus? I think I've probably had it um, because it's an illness that's different to anything I've ever had before. Um, I don't normally get unwell. If I do, it's over very quickly and this has lingered now for a week. And although my symptoms don't necessarily fit perfectly with that consistent cough and high fever that we hear about, um, actually, it's it, I have had some of that and just felt completely exhausted and wiped out. So... Yeah, I think that I've probably had it. I hope I've had it. I'd be devastated if when I do get tested, I find out that I haven't had it and I've had something else. And will you get tested? Because that's been one of the things we've been talking about. Um, Will you actually get a test? Because obviously you're a GP. It's incredibly important that you are able to get back to work. 
Yes. So I will get tested at some point. Um, the reason that hasn't happened yet is because the type of testing that we're shifting to here in the UK, which is serum testing, antibody testing. So a test that tells you not just whether you have it at that moment in time, but whether you have had it, whether you've had an immune response. Um, those tests aren't yet ready to go, but we're hoping that they're coming very, very soon. And as soon as they're available, healthcare professionals will be priority to get tested so I will get tested at some point um just when I don't yet know yeah I was going to say every, everyone's talking um you know about what it's like to self-isolate and how difficult it is because our lives are so busy and so full on a day-to-day day-to-day basis to have that all taken away how have you handled it Oh, I think, I think there's kind of, we can split the self-isolators into two groups, the sick and the well. And when you're unwell with this, to be honest, I haven't minded being at home. And in some ways, you know, as GPs, as healthcare professionals, when we're sick, we soldier on and we go to work and we see our patients. So being forced to be at home, in some ways, I've been a little bit thankful for it because actually yesterday I did 10 minutes of yoga and I'm an exercise fanatic I did 10 minutes of yoga and it completely took it out of me I was exhausted so I think self-isolating when you're unwell with this um you don't miss being out and about that much but for people who are self-isolating because of family members unwell or to protect themselves then yeah people are going to start going stir crazy for sure I mean there's nothing worse I'm very lucky I keep counting my blessings that I live in a home that I like we have central heating we have lots of space I live with my boyfriend who I actually like and I think about a lot of my patients who are really cramped in housing that's not really sufficient for their needs and you know they have stressful lives already um, being cramped in housing that's, that's poor is going to be, I mean, we're going to see significant impact on people's physical health and mental health just from being cramped into that type of housing, which I'm dreading seeing that. And you'll be on the front end, you know, you'll be right at the front, you'll see that, won't you, as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I work as a GP in an area of London where people have real problems, people are living on or below the poverty line and uh, and I think a lot of my friends are sort of concerned about what about our earnings I'm not going to how am I going to pay my rent how is this going to happen and I just keep reminding them by saying I have patients who if they don't get that bit of money from their cleaning job on Friday they genuinely do not have money to feed their family on Saturday and um, yeah so I'm, I'm really concerned about those people who are just about surviving as it is how are they going to get on with this so as we as we sort of move along with this podcast we'll have lots of uh, questions that we get going to ask you in regards to people's health and what they can do but from your point of view as a doctor it must be so hard dealing with patients that it's very hard for you to help in these kind of situations so so how do you do you manage to leave that in the surgery or do you take that home with you um i think it's it's i think it's something that we as doctors we learn quite early on that we have to be able to leave some of it at the surgery door or at the hospital door we can't leave it's unrealistic I think to think we can leave all of it and there are always those patients that you come home and they play on your mind but I think in order to cope and survive doing the job that we do you have to be able to drop drop it at the door um but I think you know the times the months that we're facing ahead I mean I've I've spent a lot of time thinking about what is my working life going to be in the next few months because it's going to be very different to usual I've completely cleared my diary of of all of my the other things that I do because I know that the NHS is going to need me but then I even think as somebody who hopefully has had this if I've had it 
actually, does it make sense for me to be in my surgery mostly on the phone? Probably not. It probably makes, makes sense for me to be, although I'm not trained as an ITU um, doctor, I can, I'm trained as a, as a junior doctor to work in any specialty, maybe I would be more useful at the front line at the hospital in a and E. I I don't know. And I'm, you know, I think most of us as healthcare professionals that work in the NHS, times like this, we're just like, just, you know, tell me where you want me, tell me where I'm of most use. So I really don't know what the next few months holds for for me as a doctor um, and for people out there. I think the one thing I do know is that, unfortunately, where we are at the moment, things are going to get significantly worse. Oh, Zoe, you know what? And and just on behalf of everybody listening and, you know, you you guys are the heroes in all of this. And thank you so much. And I know you will, as soon as you can, go back out there and really help with people. Um, and I also want to talk to you. So we've, got, we've had loads of questions, by the way, for you, which is brilliant. And then really to try and help the whole community out there to get through this, um, mentally and physically. Um, and I know your kind of real specialism, one thing you're really interested in is about exercise, isn't it? And how brilliant it can be for us. So what's the science? Okay, so absolutely. I think one of the things that is available to all of us that's going to help us pull through these next few months is exercise. Hi, Louise here, just interrupting Dr Zoe for a second to remind you, you are listening to this podcast after the Prime Minister gave us new rules about exercise, saying we're allowed out once a day for one form of exercise, a run or walk or cycle, and that should be done alone or only with people you live with. At Her Spirit, we know how powerful women can be. We love your strength, your determination, your compassion. We love the energy that sparks when we connect and spur each other on. Her Spirit was created to ignite that flame of determination, to unleash your energy, to build your self-belief and to help every woman find a way to your healthiest mind, body and soul yet. We want to inspire one million women just like you to be active, healthy and happy because you deserve it. Head to herspirit.co.uk, join our core membership and use the code HERSPIRITPOD3 to get three months completely free. Join our monthly challenges, get access to the Her Spirit Health Hub and track your activity levels, mood, food, sleep and stress every single week with your own personalised dashboard. Get expert advice and join daily live classes that can be played back at any time. Plus... Find the support that you need to get started and stay motivated. Just sign up at herspirit.co.uk and use the code HERSPIRITPOD3 to get three months completely free. It's time for you. Carry on. About 40% of our adult population currently don't do any exercise. So for those people in particular, it's a really good opportunity to actually start something positive. Um, And the science, I mean, the, the science when it comes to exercise is really complex and on so many different levels. It's really good for us. It's really good for our brains. It's really good for our bodies. Um, but if we narrow down the science, it all boils down to, which doesn't all boil down to, it largely boils down to the inflammation and the stress in our bodies. So when we exercise, we actually have 
uh, we, we cause a reduction in the amount of inflammatory chemicals in our bodies. And there are two main ways that we do this. Muscles, uh, recently the, the physical activity guidelines in the UK were updated. And it used to be that the cardiorespiratory exercise, so the 150 minutes a week, was, was the top line that everybody spoke, spoke about. The chief medical officers have flipped it around and made muscle strengthening exercise number one because people often forget about the muscle strengthening. I know, brilliant, right? <laughs> and, and muscles are really, really important, um, not because they look great, they do, but not because of that, but actually because our muscles are our own inbuilt little anti-inflammatory machines. When we have lean muscle and we activate it, the muscle releases chemicals called myokines, and those chemicals have an anti-inflammatory effect on our bodies. Now, the reason that drugs like aspirin and statins are so effective at reducing things like heart disease and strokes is because they have an anti-inflammatory effect. So therefore, you can start to make some of the correlations as to why actually being active and having lean muscle on your body can do that intrinsically without having to take the pills. So that's just one way in which exercise and muscles are important. I mean, you do you you work in special in specialise in tackling chronic health. What, what if you sort of had to give, you know, a, a meaning out there to people? What is chronic health? What is it? What are we looking at within our population? Um, so I think when I think the term chronic health, in the context of my interests, is around lifestyle medicine and the many diseases that we face. In fact, up to seventy percent of illness now in this country is linked to our lifestyles. Now, that isn't necessarily somebody's fault. It's not choices people are making easily. We live in a in an environment now that encourages us to eat lots of unhealthy food and too much of it. And it can be quite difficult. We have to build physical activity into our lives, whereas actually, as human beings, we're built to move. And 50 years ago, we all did move without thinking about it. But a lot of conditions are largely linked to our lifestyles, um, largely linked to obesity. So type 2 diabetes, as an example, the majority of cases could be prevented if people um, were were healthier. So that's a real interest of mine because I think it's something we weren't taught about that much at medical school. Um, things like physical activity and the benefits and the science, um, nutrition, uh, even sleep and stress. But as a doctor, 70% of my workload, I'm dealing with lifestyle-related diseases. So, so it's really interesting that there's that miss, that, that there's that, that, that's missing from our education. So one of the things that I've been heavily involved in for the past eight years now is educating healthcare professionals, specifically around physical activity. That's my area of expertise. So with um, Public Health England, we developed a programme called the Clinical Champions Programme. And since 2004, we've, we've trained over 30,000 healthcare professionals around the basic science guidelines, but also the communication skills of, as to how to have uh, a consultation with the patient uh, around physical activity. So it's been really good. Oh, it's so ex- it's it's kind of really exciting to hear about it. So I hear on um, her spirit that's exactly what we're talking about is trying to t- you know make fe- people feel better. And I can see you blowing your nose um, in the bin, <laughs> in the bin. jelly my hands um, with with exercise. Now, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit of a Q and A with you two because Annie, of course, you know she is a world class triathlete. Or should we say was? Is that fair, Annie? 
I think it's really fair to say was, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I stay fit, but I'm not a triathlete any longer. I haven't ridden a bike for years and everyone finds that really hard to believe. But it's just the bike takes up too much time. And when you've got um, young children, you don't want to bike. But um, no, I guess I'd, I always say I'm a runner. I'm always yeah. a runner. Whatever You're I do runner. in my life, I'm a runner. You're also a coach. And actually, I need, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell everybody here that, of course, Zoe, you were a former gladiator. Yay, Amazon, <laughs> Amazon. That's amazing. I was, 10 years ago now, gosh, yeah. How tough was it? Because it, for me, as an endurance athlete, when I used to watch those programmes, I'm like, how do those girls do that? Incredible. Because you need some serious strength, don't you? Or you did to be a gladiator. Well, well, yeah, but then I watched the types of things that you do, that endurance athletes do, that Louise did in... Um, just recently in Namibia and I think how do you do that because I'm not built for that I'm built for speed and power um so I got into gladiators in my late 20s um I'd just finished university was working as a junior doctor and was playing rugby so I started playing rugby at uni and um and I was in my F2 year, which is the second year out of med school. And Gladiators came back on our screens. And having watched it avidly in the 90s and loved it, I was glued to the TV screens yet again. And at the end of the first series, they were calling for contestants for the, for the next series. And my good friend Shawzy, who was a professional rugby player, rang me up and said, Zoe, you need to get on this. You need to be a contestant. And I said, no, look, I'm a doctor. It's my live stream to be a doctor. Um, I won't be taken seriously if I do it. I can't possibly do that. And then, this is as shallow as it was, he said, how much is your student loan? I was like, I think it was £45,000 or something. Um, He said, well, you win 10 grand if you win, and you probably will. I was like, oh, okay. Um, So with that, I applied to be a contestant, went along to the audition, and they asked me to return the following week to audition to be one of the new gladiators. And then three weeks later, I got a phone call from a lady called Claire, and she said, how do you fancy coming to London and wearing Lycra for the next three months and being a gladiator? Wow. I was like, oh my what God. A brilliant. And you for sp- real? And you did pay off the student loan then, didn't you, obviously? Well, yeah, obviously that's what that £10,000 was spent on. Actually, well, in the end, I didn't, because I wasn't a contestant, I didn't get an opportunity to go for that prize money. We did get paid for uh, being gladiators, but I won't tell you how much. It wasn't very much, but, you know, it was worth it for the experience. It was an amazing experience. Oh, my goodness. That's so I just love that you're a doctor and a, and a gladiator. It's absolutely brilliant. I just want to describe <laughs> to everybody um, who's listening to us the scene. So we're all in our own homes because of, obviously, what's going on at the moment with coronavirus. Zoe, you're in the garden. It looks lovely. I know. And I've got something to tell you. What? Got 5% left on my battery. I'm going to have to move inside. Okay. Is that going to be very disruptive if I shimmy to inside and plug in? We're going to let you go inside. Go on. (laughs) I was just describing the scene where everybody was. So Annie's in her house and we can see her cat walking behind her, which is giving me a laugh every time. So he was outside in the garden, but you have to move inside because your phone nearly ran out. This is our new reality, isn't it? Um, What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to, and we've had so many lovely questions in from from her spirit, people who are on her spirit. Um, So, And I'm going to ask you both of them differently, actually. So obviously we're in a completely extraordinary situation. Um, Holly says the current situation feels more like an endurance event than a sprint 
how are we going to adapt not being able to train it in the way we want to, we're used to, and also we need to? Um, Zoe, you go first. Um, I think, you know, she's absolutely nailed it there. This is an endurance event. It's not a sprint. And, you know, I heard it described as this isn't a blizzard that's going to come in and then disappear a few days later. This is a whole winter of um, coronavirus. So I think one of the really important things is trying to make good habits from the start that you can continue throughout the next few months you can go outside um whether you're social if you're social distancing then you can go outside viruses actually find it very very difficult to spread from one person to another outdoors so as long as you're keeping a two meter distance which is about six feet and you're not sort of coughing and you know coughing and sneezing into each other's faces then being outside is is safe and people should be encouraged to keep going outside but it's really important that people if they take that advice they're sensible with it because there is that temptation to say right let's meet at this time and if bunches of people are meeting up together to do to do exercise together then you know then that's not sensible um so yeah get outside in nature in green space do your thing whether it's jogging walking cycling but do it on your own or with one other person at a distance and start those habits, start the habits early. Yeah. And Annie, you'll be dealing, of course, you, you're you a coach. So presumably people are going through that same sort of thing. You know, you know, so many people and there are lots of people who will be talking to today as well, who who perhaps don't do exercise a lot. But for those people who really do, how are you telling them how to cope? Well, I think it's been interesting because, um, you know, with, with no blood, all the races have been cancelled, like we've heard on the news, like whether it's you're a marathon runner, London Marathon's gone, all the triathlons are gone. But I think just to reiterate what Zoe's saying, how important, you know, for, and we'll go on to that later, and that's much more Zoe's domain, but in terms of exercise in the immune system, you know, how important it is. And, and, and there's another thing to talk about there is not to overcook it as well, which is important. Oh, yeah. Can I pick up with that because I've had a specifically a question on that actually and whether we should be training and I'll find their, their name in a minute um you know hard or should we be sort of doing gentler exercises Annie you pick up that first well I I mean Zoe, Zoe's the doctor so I'm not going to step on her toes at all um but I really think a little bit of exercise regular exercise particularly when you're dealing with people that are used to doing on a daily day-to-day basis is to to keep up the exercise but I think you can just lower the intensity and keep the heart rate down not put too much pressure on your immune system Zoe I don't know what you think I think yeah that's absolutely correct when it comes to our immune system functioning optimally um, moderate amounts of exercise actually support the immune system whereas extreme exercise can actually dampen it down but you know we're all different and actually people who are endurance athletes what might seem like, um, you know, masses of exercise and far too much for me isn't for them. So it's just about being sensible and not pushing yourself to your extreme, but just working out whatever is within your really comfortable um, range and, and keeping it up and keeping it consistent and trying to do um, a little bit of something every day rather than being a, bit, being a weekend warrior. So often people who normally save it up for the weekend actually staggering that out and, and, and doing 30 minutes or an hour every day. Um, that was from Maggie. So shout out to Maggie. Go on, Annie. 
I, th- I think it, it's as hard as it is, this is a time when we have to be really disciplined in, in our lives in terms of scheduling it in, because I think otherwise we could be, you know, in danger of just trying to muddle through this. So I think we do need structure. I mean, I've already decided that in the week my kids will have some structure. They'll have to, otherwise we'll all go mad. But the weekend's fine. You know, they can sort of lounge around in their onesies and watch some TV and stuff. But I think structure and bringing exercise back into that is really important saying right every day I'm going to get up at like whatever time and I'm going to make sure I'm out walking at 8 30 or you know whether you have a little routine at home because you don't want to go out skipping ropes step ups there are so many things out there that you can do at home to you know put in a, a good 30 minute sort of like hit session too if you don't want to venture out. Um, I just want to tell everybody else about the good news as well because Her Spirit have got support from Sport England and that means that the Her Spirit platform is going to be free for everybody in the UK, every woman in the UK, to provide health and well-being and support and a community um, during these really uncertain times. And just to that point, actually, Annie, uh, isn't that brilliant? And they're also going to brilliant. have uh, exercises amazing. every day. They're going to have exercises every day. So you can go there and at certain times you'll be able to do live exercises there. Um, but even, I, you know, I'm... I kind of feel like in a strange way, I'm one of the lucky ones in that I still get to do my job because that's very important to me. It's very much part of my identity and all the rest of it. But, you know, there's many, many things in my life, like everybody else's that is being cancelled, including my daughter's university, my daughter's school, et cetera, et cetera. And I find, um, you know, know, I'm in the snack cupboard more often than I would be, for example. You know, I I can't seem to finish off a job. I get halfway through doing the, the kitchen and then I do something else. So, you very it's very easy Zoe to kind of lose focus and I'm a really focused person so I mean lots of people will be feeling similar yes and and I can vouch for that this week um I've been sick so I'm not going to give myself a hard time about it but reaching for comfort food and whilst being more sedentary um it's a recipe for disaster isn't it if you think about our nation as a whole where already, I mean, some, and it all links back to our risk from the vi- to, to the virus or dealing with the virus if we get it as well. One of the things that's yet to be seen is, I think, in the UK and in America, obesity is a risk factor for having poorer outcomes if people do get the virus. Now, in China, more people smoke in China than smoke in the UK, and we've seen that smokers, so men over 70, were much more likely to die than women over 70. We don't know for certain that it's the smoking, but largely in China, 70-year-old men smoke and women don't. Um, Here we have lower smoking rates, but we have much higher rates of obesity, type 2 diabetes, and Um, You know, even in the short term, if you're exercising, so what we know is that people who are going to have surgery, for example, if they can increase their physical activity levels, and we're talking just by small amounts here, we're talking by 15 minute brisk pace walk every day, if they can do that consistently for a few weeks before their operation, then their risk of running into serious complications in the operation from an anaesthetic point of view go down. So even in the battle against COVID-19, being physically active and making sure that we have some protein in our muscles um, and not gaining those excess pounds from eating all the tempting stuff that we're going to want to eat. If we do get infected with COVID-19, it's going to increase our chances of being able to fight it off and stay well and reduce our risk of needing intensive care and ultimately of of dying from it. 
Oh my gosh. So it goes really to this point from Alex W. Thank you very much, Alex. Variety is going to keep everyone going through this time. Um, you too, have you got the best, you know, what top tips, what can you do? Because some people may not be able to get outside. What can you do from home? Annie, you go first. Well, I think, as I said, like be disciplined put a time in your diary that you're going to do it because actually I'm do it I I do it all the time you know honestly I'm shocked at going right I'll get around to doing that I'll do it and then you get to the end of the day and you don't do it do your exercise in the morning you know if you're not going out and you are housebound get it done in the morning definitely don't leave it until later you know I think that I mean her spirit app is going to be brilliant because there's going to be so much on there to help people and give people ideas of what they can do at home so obviously there's that to look at but if you've got stairs you you know, lunges upstairs, you know, that's brilliant. Buy a skipping rope, get a skipping rope online. You can do so much. Do your children have a trampoline in the garden? If you're lucky enough to have a garden, get on the trampoline, you know. So there's a huge amount of stuff that we can, if we're creative and stop and think about it, write some notes down, you can put together a programme pretty easy, I think. Yeah, I've seen loads of people doing doing the um, the different kind of stair challenges, Um, for example, Zoe. I'm sure everybody out there has seen so many things on social media. There's so much going on in terms of yoga workouts and at-home workouts and content being put out there. But I think my message would be there are lots of people who will choose not to to leave their homes. They'll stay at home. And you can do absolutely anything you want. If it gets your heart rate up, makes you feel a little bit sweaty and a little bit breathless, but to the point that you can still have a conversation, then that counts as moderate intensity physical activity, whether that is doing some gardening, whether that is hoovering, we all should be keeping our houses clean, so putting on some music and hoovering at a rate that gets you a little bit sweaty and out of breath. Anything that involves movement and gets you out of breath, but to the extent that you can still have a conversation counts as physical activity and the government guidelines tell us if we do 21 minutes a day consistently of that then that is enough physical activity to really give us a boost when it comes to our health obviously if you do more it's better but that's the cutoff that gives you the 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 majority actually of of the health benefit of physical activity 21 minutes a day of hoovering while singing um or you know anything anything else and one other tip I would give um, when it comes to the muscle strengthening because muscle strengthening is really important you don't need weights you don't need equipment just using your body weight is enough Um, every time you boil the kettle now I'm from Burnley where people have about 40 cups of tea a day so that would be a lot (laughs) but every time you boil the kettle for the minute and a half or two minutes it takes to boil the kettle do something in your kitchen it can be some squats whilst holding on to the side of the unit it can be some press-ups on the bench it can be lunges anything if you every time you boil the kettle um, do something for a couple of minutes, then that really will add up. It will. I We're having lots that. of cups of tea. Um, <laughs> Annie, I think you had to say, you were going to say something. There are 24 hours in a day. So break that down. 21 minutes is absolutely nothing. But the other thing is bring your friends in. If you've got like-minded friends, join, get them involved in your challenge, whether it's on a WhatsApp group, FaceTime. Because I think if you say to a friend, right, we're going to do this at 8.30 in the morning together. We might not be together, but we'll put on FaceTime. We'll, we'll, we'll work out on, on a WhatsApp group what we're going to do and let's set ourselves a challenge each week I think that's really important because then you're accountable sometimes if you're not accountable we just become a little bit lazy yeah and also just to that point as well because we talked didn't we a little bit about her spirit being given funding to be free for three months and also to keep people um motivated 
And what they're going to do is we can all log out how many minutes we do and then they're going to add them up and they're going to be converted into gifted premium subscriptions for people who can't afford it once we've done these three months. So the more we do, every minute counts. Exactly. And then just to reiterate there, you know, if we're talking about sharing it and doing stuff with people, you know, you can go to the Her Spirit community and everyone is sharing stories there. So even if you don't know someone, someone will have a similar story that you'll be able to follow and you'll be able to motivate one another. Um, can I do quick fire questions for you, Zoe? These are kind of really specific questions. Um, this is from Pamela. Um, she says, I've, I've had EBV in the past. I'm concerned it may reactivate if I get the new virus. Anything I can do? I think EVB is, um, it's glandular fever, isn't it? It. Yeah, Epstein-Barr virus. Um, see, this is the answer to a lot of specific questions like that is we don't know. We don't yeah. know enough about this virus yet to know about those specifics. So for me to even take a punt to answering that question, it would be a complete guess. I have no idea. Um, yeah. I think what it does link me into is there's a whole question around pregnancy at the moment. And I know a lot of women out there who are pregnant are really concerned and wondering why is it that pregnant women have been put into the high risk group? And um, and I had a chat this morning, uh, we get briefed as media medics quite frequently. And it's certainly something that many of us were interested in knowing more about. As far as we know, so far, Pregnant women don't incur any increased risk. They don't seem to get more unwell. Um, they can't transmit the virus to the fetus in the womb. Um, so actually, pregnant women don't seem to be at increased risk. But the reason the government have put them as a high-risk group is it does just boil down to that we still don't know enough about this virus to completely be reassured that they are safe. And the other concerning thing is that if a pregnant woman was to go on to need ventilation in the third trimester, so in the final um, the final three months of pregnancy, actually ventilating an adult who is who is pregnant, heavily pregnant, becomes much more difficult. So I think they're not at more they're not at higher risk of getting the complications, but if they do get them, it might be more difficult to manage. So there's so there are so many unknowns about coronavirus. Having had EBV in the past at this stage wouldn't necessarily make us think you were at higher risk but mm. we don't know and um, one question you may or may not be able to answer i think you might Zoe. though this is from sarah um does taking immunosuppressant drugs class someone in the at risk category regardless of age uh, so again it depends the the, the large largely the answer is yes um, but it would depend on what immunosuppressant drugs and at what dose. So I would say for anybody who is taking immunosuppressant drugs, and that could be for rheumatoid arthritis, or actually it could be because somebody's had um, a transplanted organs. Now, those two people, their increased risk would be very, very different. So it's worth having a chat with your own GP or your own specialist team just to find out, just so that they can tell you exactly what your risk is and what measures you need to take to protect yourself. Um, should we talk also, because we've talked a lot about kind of, you know, exercise um, and how it's good for you. We know that and we're all celebrating that. Let's also talk about the kind of mental health around of all of this. Um, this is from Jo. Um, she says, I'm interested in mental health. If we can't get out walking and cycling and swimming, and some of us may not be able to, like we usually do, what are your advice and tips? And some people already saying, you know, I mean, I'm feeling it as well. I don't know about you two, but, you know, anxious. What do we do? Yeah. How do you feel, by the way, Annie? Yeah. Are you okay? I mean, um, I definitely feel more anxious. I mean, I, 
I think, you know, I am one of those people that keep saying it'll be all right until tell, someone tells me that it's not. And I'm not saying that's the best way to be. Sometimes it's detrimental and sometimes it, you know, works as a real positive, I suppose. And I think you just have to put faith in the scientists. You know, we have amazing people on the front line like Zoe and all the NHS staff and, you know, and, and private st- medical staff that are just working around the clock to help everyone. And I, I'm just one of those people that says, you know what, right now I'm putting my faith into the politicians, into the doctors, into the scientists, and we will be okay. And if someone tells me something different in a week's time, you know, I might, I might, I might be speaking differently. You know, I might get, you know, really afraid. And 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 I'm lucky because I am sort of cocooned here in the countryside in Guildford, and and I know a lot of people have got a, got it a lot lot tougher. So you know, I understand. Um, so I mean, you know, I'm I'm you know, I'm not normally a very anxious person, but it's definitely you know has definitely pushed up my anxiety levels. And you're going to be dealing with people, you know, in much more difficult situations. So how do we all kind of? I guess, um, mentally be resilient through this as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, what you've highlighted there is as somebody who's normally very well from a mental health point of view, you're noticing changes and people who already struggle with their mental health, you know, this is going to be a very, very difficult time for them to get through. And, you know, this what's really sad is we are going to see huge deterioration across the board in, men- in mental health. And those who have the poorest mental health are going to find it very difficult to cope. In terms of exercise and where that fits in, um, there was a, there's a study, a, re- a really key study around how important exercise is for mental health. And, and this particular study showed that when they compared regular group exercise, and of course we have to be inventive how the group exercise occurs now, like you said, Louise, you can have, you know, you can have the group Zoom chats where you all do a workout together, or especially if you have children looking at ways of exercising together, even though you're not physically together. But this study found that regular group exercise worked as well as antidepressants and as well as cognitive behavioural therapy in the treatment of mild to moderate depression. So when when dealing with patients who have poor mental health, have mental health issues, and they are noticing a deterioration, that's when it that's the time to act. It's it, you shouldn't be letting things get so that they're unmanageable. As soon as you notice that deterioration, which I think is probably across the nation right now for practically all of us, that's when the time is to act. And exercise is the one thing that is readily available and accessible to combat that. So 20 minutes a day of something gets your heart rate up, etc. Ideally with with other people in a way that isn't actually with other people would be helpful. But also I think meditation and mindfulness and nature. Um, nature is the one thing that is constant and is not scary and is not changing. There's something that happens in our brains when we look at things like leaves or grass where we see the same shape repeated thousands of times in the same place that it that only occurs in nature it has a calming effect on us so I think combination of exercise meditation and immersing ourselves as much as we can in nature and remaining connected with people in whatever way we can which is especially important for more elderly people who might be at home on their own who may not have access to all of the kit that we do um, it's a strong combination if you combine all of those things together 
Oh my gosh, I've got so much to say, really. And um, what I love about technology, and we are all, you know, learning so much, is Mel is sending me messages, which I can now tell you too as well. You probably see them. Um, she says, I can see you going like this. Yeah, I go, look, yeah, see them. <laughs> um, so she says that uh, we've got three minute meditations for anxiety. Um, that, so that's on the Her Spirit app. And also um, that Her Spirit are going to do a mindful run next week, go for a run or walk and think about what you can see, what you can smell, what can you hear. So um, also um, the other thing, I mean, you, you mentioned that and, and a kind of note of optimism. And I, am, I feel extremely lucky that I do have access to countryside and there's a river that I walk by, by the whole time. And yesterday, for example, I saw the swans were back. And it sounds really simple, but the fact that the swans were back and it's making me really emotional <laughs> just cheered me up yeah. in a way that, you know, the world yeah. continues to carry on. Uh, nature continues to carry on, um, even though we feel that we're in a crisis at the moment. <laughs> I'm getting emotional. I know, and the, and the brain is, you know, the brain is such a, you know, a wonderful thing that, you know, exactly all the things that you said, Zoe, if you if you take yourself away and just distract your brain for a while and, you know, and feed it some happy endorphins, you know, that is going to lower your levels of anxiety. I always say that I just want to bottle up what I get from from a good run. You know, it might be 20 minutes, it might be two hours, but if, if you could bottle that up and sell it to people who haven't really tried sport before, they'd get it, you know. So that's why I think, you know, for people to come to the Her Spirit community and, and start looking at the app and, and all the things that are on there and available to support and encourage you, and you can come and join our crazy gang of people that kind of can't live without sport. <laughs> Zoe, maybe you can back me up on this one, but uh, Louise said, yeah, I'm going to go open water swimming. I was like, what's the temperature? eight degrees okay you're not going swimming right now Louise because that's not great for, great for anyone's immune system because as much as you are hard as nails I think we discussed that we need to wait till it's at least sort of 12 maybe 13 14 I personally think it's a little early to be open water swimming what do you think Zoe do you Go think on, Zoe. Zoe do you think it's Whoa. probably best to stay away do you know, I'm a bit, I'm a bit torn on this. I mean, I would, I would agree with you that it's not the, it's not the time to, to be trying open water swimming when it's eight degrees for the first time ever, because that's going to be a shock to the system, and it's just not worth a shock to the system. There is evidence around there, isn't there, that people who regularly open water swim actually that helps support their immune system. So yeah, I think absolutely. I, I, there isn't necessarily a scientific right or wrong. I don't think as long as you're social distancing. Um, I think it's a case by case. You've got to weigh it up. Actually, if what's your normal and what keeps you healthy and what keeps your mental health in check and I've heard loads of stories of people who have stressful lives and that immersing themselves in cold water for five minutes once a day is the one thing that keeps them sane you've got to weigh up the pros and cons so what are the pros and cons well we don't really know the cons are that we know that um, I mean we we know that viruses we don't know about coronavirus but viruses generally tend to find it easier to transmit in colder weather, um, whether actually allowing your body temperature to drop means you're more likely to catch it off somebody. If you're actually not anywhere, anywhere near anybody, does it matter? I don't know. So I think the advice is just be sensible and don't do things that are more risky than usual. But I wouldn't sit here and say to somebody who has that dip for five minutes every day and it keeps them mentally strong to necessarily stop doing that either. And 
there are so many people who are so passionate, aren't they, particularly about open water swimming. So I'm going to take both, a bit of advice from both of you because I'm not, because it, Annie, it's not like I, do, you know, I am kind of trained for the cold water. I say kind of, I did train last year for the cold just water. Just come back from the desert. You just come back from the <laughs> desert. <laughs> so, I, I, I just, I just, I, as you refer, you know, as you're saying, Zoe, for me, um, there is something kind of really unique about uh, swimming in open water that, you know, there's lots of things that I'm not going to be able to do. And actually, you know, there is one that's that didn't used to be open till May and it's actually opened up now. So, <laughs> Annie, I think I might go. I'll wear my wetsuit. Does that make you feel any better? Could you not just have a cold shower instead, Louise? Well, that <laughs> no, would be the same not job. The same. <laughs> Can I ask you both about um, weight, weight as well? Um, so this is from Emily. Um, she says, it sounds a little bit vain to be thinking about weight gain. I'm wondering whether my appetite will naturally decrease with less running and different exercise like body weight, strength and condition we've been talking about. I'm not a calorie counter, but I have no idea how many calories, calories, calories I've been consuming while training and racing. And I think that's an interesting one, is it? Because sometimes, you know, people are not calorie counters, don't want to become so. And But if they're having to change their lifestyle, what would you say Zoe? I anticipate that over the next six months we're going to see a significant increase in waistlines just genuinely across the board for for two reasons um one because of the reduction in physical activity and when I'm talking about physical activity I'm not necessarily talking about that 30 minute run that people do twice or three times a week or um, that gym session. It's just about the daily movement that we all do without even realising it. You know, most of us do about 10,000 steps a day. We're not going to be doing that. And it's very hard, actually, to that just normal daily physical activity. It all counts. It all burns calories. And it's very hard to maintain that when you're when you're indoors. So I think that's one reason. The other reason is... Well, anyone who has been working from home this week, I'm sure, will have noticed that you're in close proximity to food. Food is accessible. Our moods are a bit low. We're feeling a bit stressed. And therefore, I know I certainly have. And Louise is showing us something in her kitchen. I'm showing you around the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) The temptation is going to be just to be grazing and snacking. And, you know, the one thing that we can all still continue to do that we really enjoy is eat things like cake and chocolate. So I think, you know, I think we're going to see an increase in waistlines. And actually, it's very sensible to almost be thinking about this now. It's not vain. I think it's really sensible to be thinking, what strategies can I put in place to try and reduce the risk of me doing that, whether it is that you have a cupboard that's locked until 7pm at night where you have the biscuits and the cakes or or whether, you know, you start to decide that every day for lunch now we're going to have soup. Soup's what we're going to make homemade soup. Uh, we're at home, we can cook it. And soups tend to be very low in calorie, but quite filling or whatever strategies are going to work for you and your family. It's worth thinking about it now because... Um, yeah, I think we're going to see waistlines increase and that is bad for our health. And, you know, that doesn't help us if we do get this virus. It's not going to help us fight it off either. So I think it's a really, really good, sensible question. No, I was just going to say, like, I'm always kind of looking for positives and, you know, 
the spring's coming. The next five days in London, we're lucky in the southeast. I don't know what it's going to be up like where you are, Louise. But, you know, spring's coming. The weather's a bit better. We're going to be able to be hopefully, you know, a little bit more outside. I know that's not possible for everyone, but uh, we've got more light and sunshine on a positive note. That is a very good point, actually, Annie, because I always find it. I find the winters are really hard um, and yeah, forcing myself to go out in the dark. And actually, I've kind of learned over the years of doing breakfast that I actually much prefer doing exercise in the evenings. I used to really try and force myself to do it in the mornings. And I know maybe you're a morning person. And it sounds ridiculous given that my job, but I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I'm doing it under... Anyway, um, so I do find it much easier in the evenings. And also um, that, that thing you said, Zoe, about not doing the exercise, because you're right, people won't be pushing the buggy to school, picking something up from the way back on the shops. There are these little things that we do that we don't even think about, which all add up to being a important and I think our daily physical activity expenditure which is the amount of calories that we burn from all movement everything from stretching to brushing our teeth down to lifting weights in the gym when you add all of those calories up that we burn from physical activity expenditure for most of us even those of us like me that go to the gym three times a week over the course of a week the hugest bulk of that is from not the exercise, but just the stuff that we do without even counting it as exercise. So although we can keep training and exercising, we do need to account for that. And um, yeah, we're all going to gain a bit of weight. But you know what? Let's try and minimise it as much as possible. Uh, the other, I've got another idea is to perhaps, you know, b- break down your exercise routine and do like two or three little sessions a day to have something to kind of look forward to, you know, to keep, you know, to dip in and out, but get the heart rate up, get a little sweat on, you know, get those endorphins sort of racing around the body. So maybe kind of like breaking up the day, you know, there's a chance that, you know, perhaps you won't just dip into the cupboard too often. And I am, you know, a, a, a big uh, person of dipping into the Bicky tin and the Chris tin and anything else that's going <laughs> Another thing, this is actually from my dad. My dad my dad's a, used to be a cricket coach. And um, when the children were getting a bit irate, they were getting a bit overexcited, um, he used to play this game with them. He'd be like, right, that's it. Run around like mad loonies. Off you go. Run around like mad loonies. And they'd all go running around and just charge around <laughs> and get rid of all their energy. And then he'd bring them back again. So it might be little things like that for families that have children. You know, when you feel that tension rising, once an hour, you have two minutes where you all run around like mad loonies and throw cushions at each other and then calm again. I don't have children, so you might be, lo- you might be watching that and thinking, are you crazy? But uh, No, yeah, no, 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 that's such no. a good idea. I love that idea. I like that idea. I think that's spot on. Absolutely, Zoe, yeah. And one last thought before we go, and that, you know, that's because I think so much of what we've done is kind of, you know, deep thoughts that I'm sure we'll all be going through and changes into our habits that we need to make. There are really plus sides. I mean, one of my biggest things in life is I haven't got time. Guess what? <laughs> we've all got lots. We've got loads of time. But it's tempting, isn't it, to just let that time tick away. So I think what Annie was saying about having some kind of a regime of a routine so that you make sure you get those chunks of exercise or chunks of meditation in. Yeah, do our own home cooking. We've all got opportunity now. 
Nice positive. Like we were planning to do these podcasts, Annie, we, weren't we, once a month. But what we're planning to, fingers crossed, if we can work out the technology and get wonderful guests like you, Zoe, and we're going to try and get them to everybody um, once, a, once a week, actually, because I think there's so much to discuss and there's, things are changing all the time. And we all, you know, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I'm going to get, I'm very emotional at the moment. Um, I've really enjoyed the company. I know, you know. I want to give you a hug. Can I give you a virtual hug? I feel the hug. I feel, let's give everybody a hug. I want to give you all a hug. Everybody hug. Yeah, and you know, I'm emotional, Zoe. You know that I'm not really, (laughs) tough as nails, you know. (laughs) Tough as nails, but you know, you are, your emotion, you're you're free with your emotions. You let them come, which is good. (laughs) And that's good. That's good. Good Let's all be free with our emotions. And I just want to say, you know, Zoe, you're an absolute legend. And I really hope, I'm sure Annie's got a message for you as well, that, you know, you are well soon because we need you we need people like you you we need lots of zoe's yeah we need lots of zoe's in this world that are really championing sort of like healthy lifestyle it's you know it's not about being olympic champions it's about you know having a healthy lifestyle and and longevity isn't it and i guess the three of us know that that's not impossible you know but you just kind of got to work at it and give it a little bit of time and you know come to her spirit and, and and the community because that you know it's such a great resource There is one last thing I was going to say, and this is another thing that we can all do to keep ourselves well and sane, and it's really good for our mental health. Um, And it's been proven, there's science, and it's it's giving. Uh, I think now is an opportunity for those of us who are more fortunate to just think about what we can do to support those that are less fortunate. And, um, you know, the more inventive you can be, the better, but giving is really good for us. We're all going to do that, to be honest with you. Um, I've got a crazy idea, which I'll tell you about on another podcast, Annie, (laughs) because I'll tell you about it. But Zoe, you've been absolutely wonderful. And then really another huge benefit of of what's going on is you would not, you're so busy, we would not normally have time to talk to you. So brilliant. We've been so privileged. Thank you, darling. Take care. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, my name's Mel Berry and I'm the co-founder of Her Spirit. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast and we hope you found it useful. I'd just like to say thanks to our sponsors, Medichex, who without their support, this wouldn't have been possible. Medichex offers simple to use blood tests, wanting to strengthen your immunity or check for underlying conditions. They offer a home test with doctor's reviewed results. Just go to medichex.com to find out more. And remember, together we've got this. Have a great day.